Welcome to Pod Sing Say, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast, where every week we watch and discuss one episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm your host, Abby, joined by my co-hosts, Jen, Nicole, and Steph. Today we're discussing Book 2, Chapter 19, The Guru. After the group receives letters that were confiscated by the Dai Li, the gang decides to temporarily split up. Aang meets Guru Pratik, who trains him in mastery of the Avatar state through the unlocking of chakras. Sokka, meanwhile, reunites with his father for the first time in years. Toph is captured by Shinfu and Master Yu, who transport her to her parents' estate, but she escapes by heuristically metal-bending. Azula forms a scheme with Long Fang to overthrow the Earth King, and Katara is captured. Aang sees a vision of an endangered Katara and abandons the training early to save her, against the wishes of the Guru. I guess it did hit on all of the things, except for the one part that I want to talk about the most, which is the opening of the Jasmine Dragon. Mm. <laughs> um, so everything about Iroh and Zuko in this episode, I was like really living for, <laughs> starting with Zuko's brainwashing. Yes. <laughs> Yo. Oh, no. Every time that Zuko was happy, my skin crawled. I was like, I don't trust this new optimistic Zuko. Long Feng brainwashed you, didn't he? I'm so glad that we all were like, this was creepy, right? Yeah. I barely wrote notes for their parts, but literally I wrote, Chipper Zuko is honestly kind of creepy. And then later I was like, okay, this hug is cute, but it's still creepy. Yeah. I was saying before, I couldn't remember the word. It was like he had gotten a lobotomy. Like... Stephanie was like, a lobotomy! I was like, what's that thing where part of your brain was removed? When uh, they used to do... When men wanted to control their wives. Yes. When women were hysterical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, somebody lobotomized Zuko and all his emotions are gone. It's crazy. Because yeah. it started off just like a... Almost like a Twilight Zone where everything is going too well and you know that it's inevitably gonna like not <laughs> <Yes>. go well. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. I love when Zuko's like, I'd love to have some juke uncle. And Uncle Iroh like side eyes him for a second. Like, who are yeah. you? But then he accepts it really quickly. I'm like, you should be more suspicious. You spent yeah. the last three <laughs> years with this boy. Like, please. I was mad that Zuko, I don't know. I was just like, what's not to like about Jook? Like, why is it so suspicious that somebody would want Jook? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, And he said, ew. And even the Avatar yes. extras said, ew. So <gasps> I was like, this is clearly written by white people. The Avatar extras literally, I wrote it down because I was offended. The Avatar <laughs> extras wrote, Jook is rice boiled overnight until it becomes soft and runny, dot, 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 ick. I was like, um, Is this racist? <laughs> Yeah, that was fucked up. Holy whoa, shit. whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to go on a friggin' like rant about Jook or something here. <laughs> no, because I actually did want to say this. Jook appearing in this episode like was actually a big deal to me mm-hmm. back when I first watched this show. Okay. Because everyone being Asian in Avatar was always like a thing, but I was always like, okay, whatever. Like, eh. Cool, I guess. I didn't think about it very much mm-hmm. until we got to this episode and they had Juk because that was the moment that I really actually felt like, holy shit, I have never seen Juk in any television show or movie before. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Lobako or, you know, any of the foods that I that were always just a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the moment that I realized when I got so excited about seeing Juk that I hadn't really seen that representation for mm-hmm. myself. So it was like a big deal to me. 
And then I realized also that this sort of like brought Joke into the collective minds of this wider audience of people who were fans of Avatar. Mm -hmm. It kind of became like this, one of the symbols of like the bossing say happy days for the fandom. But people still didn't really know what it was. Yeah. And they didn't really bother doing any research on it. Where it's like maybe they assumed it was like a fantasy food or something. You could tell sometimes that they didn't. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of them did. But like I once was reading a fanfic and I saw Jook described as just like a cool sweet drink or something like that. And I was like, so someone just completely assumed this. And did zero Googling. It's kind of like when you read a fan fiction and then they're like, they use their quills. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what universe do you think this is taking place in? Where like, they have a very like westernized view of old times, mm. you know? So they're like, oh yeah, quills and parchment. Even sometimes when they're like books, I'm like, you don't really see that many books in this show. It's mostly You like, literally see them scrolls. writing with paintbrushes in this show. Yeah, yeah like it's the a The binding brush. would be different. Yeah. yeah. So I'm always like, mm, a white person wrote this. Like anytime I read that kind of <laughs> totally. thing. Joke, there is an element to Uncle being like, I don't think you would like it to Zuko, which is beyond the flavor, even though Uncle doesn't trust Zuko's taste buds at all because Zuko hates tea anyway. But like Jook is, it's like peasant food, yeah. you know, it comes from trying to stretch that last tiny bit of rice as far as you possibly can. You're using water that's like a 10 to 12 to 1 ratio of water to rice to stretch this thing to make into like porridge. And even though nowadays it's all over Asia, this like rice congee with all sorts of different flavoring profiles and stuff like that, obviously in Avatar, we're talking about this rice one. And like, okay, it's true that the one that uncle's making doesn't look like it's doctored at all. Like he doesn't have any, he doesn't seem like he has any ginger or soy sauce or anything in there. Yeah, I was like, not even ginger. <laughs> Where normally you do. So I can see why Uncle would assume that Zuko would not like it on several levels, both the flavor level and like just the we're royalty. We shouldn't have to deal with this. Yeah, like the classism. This is for poor people. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. I might, I'm losing my train of thought. When the, okay, so when I first watched the episode, I thought it was just that. It's just Iroh being like, Zuko did not grow up with this, so I'm hesitant that he would like it. And mm -hmm. I have experienced that with like quote unquote weird food in like Filipino culture, my parents would do the same thing. They're just like, I don't know if you would like this, but mm -hmm. it's fair. Like I grew up with like a more Western palate, but what pissed me off was the extras. Yeah. Like, the fact yeah. that they added that note, that shit was fucked up. Yeah. It was a teachable moment. Yeah. Joke is a beloved food right. for many Asian Americans who watch your show. Yeah. The ick was like completely unnecessary. Totally. Mm -hmm. Like for me, the ick is when you bite into ginger and you thought it was chicken. Like that is like a yeah, very like, upsetting say, moment. Like, <laughs> it's not even the, the, like even if I've never had, and I don't think I've ever had jook, but I've had like okayu, which is like I guess the Japanese equivalent. Wait, Kevin used to make us joke at TCNJ. Well, then maybe I, I did have it, I, and my memory okay. is just so bad. Jen, I am going to say that there were a couple times at TCNJ where people sort of made jook, but I always felt like you weren't getting the full actual jook experience. Yeah personally because i tried to make it that one time and i completely ruined it <laughs> and kevin made it but it was very like spanishy yeah he used leftover chicken rice from his takeout place uh -oh. so like i yeah. was thrilled i don't remember <laughs> but, <laughs> it was it, it was valid yeah. but i was like oh no this can't be their only experience with joke they have to have real joke yeah like 
And I remember you were like, oh, I wanted to eat this because of Avatar. Mm-hmm. I just, I also just don't even think it sounds, like, even if I've never had the experience with it, I don't think it sounds gross. It's just the same as, like, it's like porridge. Yeah. Right. Just made with, I don't know what porridge is made out of. What is I porridge? think it's also rice. Is it or... rice? We never no, really ate that in my house. I never. <laughs> I've never actually had porridge, I associate I think. porridge with, like, medieval Europe. I, yeah, like, I associate it's like my porridge with, like, Oliver. Like, <laughs> yeah. Please, sir. <laughs> Like, we never really ate any of that kind of thing, like oatmeal either. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like my, I don't even know, because my family, we grew up eating a similar, like, there's like a rice porridge that, like, we eat from, like, the Caribbean, and it's it's not the same as jook, but it's like, they're, you know, it's like, I feel like distant cousins sort of thing, and like, yeah, but all, all of our porridges are rice-based too, but I don't know, like, what Europeans, I don't know, like, what timeline it is, like, when did they colonize enough to get rice into their diets sort of thing? Quick Google mm. says it's um, porridge is traditionally a breakfast dish that is simply made by cooking oats with water or milk. Oh, so it's just like oatmeal. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically, basically. yeah, basically. Grits. Is That's oatmeal and porridge the oh, same? Yeah. Oatmeal is a type of porridge, I according see. to Google. Yeah. Grits are something else. Grits are not oats, Well, right? Avatar extras yeah. were coming for you. Actually, honestly, I feel like we've been very happy with the Avatar extras person. Sometimes they're a little thirsty and we're like, okay, that's fine. We're like, fair. But like this episode, yeah, I'm just like, yeah. Yo, that's like. I'm offended. Yeah. yeah. I love jokes so much. It's like the thing I look forward to the most. Yeah. When I know that we are going to have it. Like, because... It's like comfort food, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like, we we would make it always, like, if we're getting a big piece of meat for some reason, usually in our house it was like Easter or Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. because you get the ham or the... Because then you want to get every single use you can out of the meat. So you, you have the meat and you boil the bones for the broth, yeah. for soup and all that stuff. And then... You make a second broth, which is a lot weaker and not really suitable for soup, and you use that to make jook. Mm. Damn. Yeah. So we have some feelings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like not for nothing, this had me thinking. The only other time I remember even seeing it, I feel like that was the breakfast from Mulan too, but like it was like a bastardized version. Well, in Mulan, it was just like oatmeal, wasn't it? They called it porridge. Yeah, he called it porridge. I feel like it's like if you- eggs. If you knew, it, you yeah. know, you're like, oh, this is probably congee or joke. And then, yeah. And then they westernized it because I guess they were like worried kids wouldn't even recognize just like a simple porridge. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, they added bacon and eggs, which I get was like, it was a gag, but it, it also. been like, ew, she's eating slaw. Yeah. It also felt like in hindsight, like similar if it felt like almost like gloss over that it was like a dish kids wouldn't be used to. It's like in Pokemon. I was literally about to be like, like jelly donuts. Jelly donuts. Yeah, I was just thinking Instead of the onigiri. Jelly donuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Got to yeah. make it understandable for that Western audience because children are dumb. <laughs> it's such a simple, teachable moment. And it's not like we don't pick up that things are off. Yeah. As a child, I remember watching that and just being like, it didn't occur to me that they were using the wrong word and that it was actually like onigiri or whatever. Yeah. But I was just like, those are the strangest deli donuts I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember just being like, what? I don't understand. They don't look like jelly donuts. Yeah. Why are they designed that way? Is that part the jelly, the black part? Yeah. Like the first time I feel like I saw rice balls in like a show, you know, it was probably around the same time, you know, some other show mm-hmm. would be it like Fruits Basket or something else. And they were just like, it's a rice ball. It's rice wrapped in seaweed. It's just like, okay, sure. I guess like they were like, kids will find seaweed weird. I don't know. Yo, One Piece did that too. Remember that? They turned the rice ball into a cookie. Yeah, Yeah, except they like masked it over and it was so shitty. It was so clearly not like the same art style or like, it was so bad. I remember that. That that, like original One Piece like dub. The four kids dub? Yeah. Yeah. 
was like a meme that whole thing like just... <laughs> it really and the rap the intro yeah. i still remember that's i'm dead yeah the, the lollipop yes oh my, oh my god no and the suction cup darts remember the suction cup darts <laughs> i remember everything <laughs> anyway so uh yeah okay so joke is not gross f you avatar extras <laughs> <laughs> Zuko was creepy. I don't know. I was very happy for Uncle, though. Yeah, he yeah. Achieved his dream, even though yeah, his dream came true. But you know, not to generalize, but this was the most not Asian message ever. Like, follow your passions <laughs> and your dreams, and it'll be rewarded. I was like, who the fuck wrote this? Like, clearly not an <laughs> person grew up with an Asian household. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, I didn't even think that deeply in terms of, like, the culture so much as just how unrealistic that notion has become in the last, like, 10 years. I feel like it was never realistic. Like It wasn't, (laughs) but it was, like, it was sold to us so hard. Yes, it was. You know, um, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You know, that kind of shit. And it's just, like, it's not until you're older... Like, that you're like, that's bullshit. It's mm-hmm. such bullshit. Like, even your dream job, whatever you think that might be, it's like, you're going to have days where it's the fucking worst thing. Because everything, yep. everything normalizes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then Zuko says, congratulations. Yeah. You did it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, I, it was cute when Zuko was happy that Uncle was happy when he got, like, the summons to the palace, even yeah. though you're like, ah, oh, shit. But. God, he was so creepy. Yeah. Was it supposed to, like, I don't know how it was supposed to be read because it was so out of character for him. So I'm like, are you supposed to, like, believe this? Or are you supposed to just be suspicious? It just seems so off for him that I'm like, yeah. were we supposed to believe that this is real? Or are you supposed yeah. to be creeped out by it? Because we all were. <laughs> you know, though, back when I first watched it, I feel like I was a little bit weirded out, but. I assumed that it just had to do with his whole thing from the previous episode where he fainted and then he came out of it like the beautiful prince that he was always meant to be. I have chosen to be happy. Like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's an argument for like unrealistic expectations with like a life changing traumatic experience, you know, where, yeah, like they last episode, they kept setting up his fever as like a you know like a changing moment for him and like a moment for him to turn over a new leaf and like a metamorphosis and all this stuff mm-hmm. and then for him to like literally 180 like to again like to a point where he's almost devoid of an actual personality like also isn't really a good message but no. then it's also like knowing how the next episode's gonna go it just further confuses me yeah because it's like what were you trying to accomplish like what stephanie was asking like what was the goal here like how did you want right. us to react to this like, especially it's not being the first time we see it, that the events of the next episode are going to be, like, shocking or predictable or, you know, whatever, however people are going to react the first time they see it. You know, it's kind of interesting that Aang's story this whole time was all about, like, letting go of all these emotional blockages or whatever. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Zuko is here just like, I've let go of all my rage and anxiety or whatever. He's like, I'm just enjoying life. Mm. Isn't it nice to live a simple, happy life? <laughs> like. Mm. Ugh. even just saying that just now gave me like the shivers <laughs> yeah just doesn't yeah for me it just doesn't make sense that it's like they're pushing this so hard this episode because they want the next episode to be like a big twist mm. but it's not like this is like I feel like it would have been more shocking if you know he had that kind of like quieter 
like, you know, he's, a, he's trying to be nicer and he's like soft spoken and he's just like thinking about his words more carefully. And he's just like, like, yeah, like, you know, like this is really great for you. Like I am really happy for you instead of just like, yeah, this is fantastic. Let us go to the palace. Let's go brew some tea. Yeah. I was like, yo, <laughs> uncle must be like, so happy that Zuko is hugging him and also being enthusiastic about tea. Yeah. <laughs> Just enough to allow him to overlook for later how out of character his nephew is being. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. So weird. He's like, I'm probably going to have to deal with this problem, but for now, I'm just going to be happy for like one day <laughs> that Zuko actually wants tea. It all made me so sad because it's like, yeah, knowing it, it's like, yeah, knowing like, it's Because you know what's up. coming. Yeah. <sighs> uh. And, like, I feel bad, like, when, you know, Katara walks in and sees them, and it's like, of course she's gonna, you know, I'm not faulting her by any means, like, right. you know, you see them and you're assuming that they're, like, undercover and, like, you freak out. Right. It's like, what happened to Jet? True. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Katara should not have freaking been there. That's what I say. Katara was I'll like, oh, oh yeah, team, I'm gonna deliver this highly important war message to the king right away. And then she was like, I have time for tea, though, right? I'm just gonna that's stroll so casually funny. around in, like, the shopping district. I no, also was like, so true. why is that her job, though? Oh why would you God. give it to this 14-year-old? Like, shouldn't that be you guys do that? Like, why? I, that I didn't get. That's but so I do funny. love that when she got into the tea shop, she asked for a table for two. <gasps> yes. Oh, <that> <laughs> Momo gets his own seat. Yeah, I was like, do you really think Momo's gonna sit in this chair once your entire time sitting here? But, like, you tried. Yeah. Yeah, also, like, her trying to make jokes in, like, the war room. I was so, I yo. like, I was cringing. Yeah, me too. I was like, you know, this is how we were mentioning last time. We were like, really, Sokka should have been the one to stay. Mm -hmm. And it's nice on an emotional level that he got to go see his dad. Yeah. Not only because Sokka is, like, the strategist of the team, but also because Sokka being there, he would have, like, had stuff to contribute Whereas Katara kind of didn't really, mm -hmm. except making awkward jokes about Momo. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, it would have given Team Avatar a voice at the table, as opposed to what this was, which was just like, you know, all the Earth Kingdom generals coming up with a plan and just sort of telling Katara mm -hmm. what the plan was going to be. Yeah, it kind of felt like they really didn't know what to do with her. Like, there was a reason she had to stay there. Obviously, like, she gets captured and everything. Yeah. But, like, they, they it's like they, they didn't really come up with a good enough thing. They just were like, let's have her stay behind. When it's like, really, they both could have gone to see her, their, their dad. Right. Also, like, if Sokka had stayed, he would have tried to see Suki. So he would have realized about the Kyoshi Warriors. Dude, the fact that literally nobody fucking knew that that wasn't Suki. What well, the nobody fuck? Else, no, but I mean... I think they were trying to imply when Katara went into the room was that they were kind of like in shadow because then when Azula stood up and started walking towards her, it was like her face came into the light. And but I, I don't know. Like, I they saw it's a completely different hairstyle. Well, yes, that at least that should have clocked Katara a little bit. It's one thing for Katara to assume that they are Kyoshi warriors, but it's another one for her to run up to Azula and be like, Suki, thank God you're yeah. here. Yeah. I was like, how dare you? I mean, I know she's wearing Suki's crown. Yeah, her headpiece. Yeah. But like, yeah. I was like, Katara, you know Suki. That's like your sister-in-law. Can you? Oh my god. <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> happening with that. Yeah. <laughs> if only Katara hadn't gone into that 
Well, I mean, the bigger if only is if only Sokka had stayed in Bosnia, yeah, say. Right. But if only Katara right. hadn't gone into that tea shop. Right. Yeah. And also if Katara had maybe made more haste to get to the Earth <laughs> yeah. King instead of taking a leisurely stroll, because then maybe she would have arrived while he was still there instead of just, you know, or something like that. He blabbed immediately. Like, they yeah. showed up and he was like, let me so tell you funny. all my problems. Oh my god. <laughs> I have had such a week. <laughs> he literally said that? Yeah. He literally said that. Yeah, general red flag. I mean, I don't blame him. <laughs> I though. was like, Bosco, where are your, like, personality hunting abilities right yeah. now? Why aren't you growling at them? <laughs> yeah. He's just a bear. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, he's not a hybrid bear. He's just a bear. <laughs> he's just a bear. <laughs> He's not smart. I can't even. I can't even. Um, boring. I can't even blame the Earth King for like telling them because like he's kind of yeah. he doesn't know shit about anything. I mean, he also like the the team Avatar had literally also like validated them in the last episode yeah, too. They were just like you got you can trust them. Yeah, and like he doesn't know what they look like. No. Well, like how about some vetting? Like, I guess does this mean? That they like stole their passports and like rode the train into Ba Sing Se. Oh, or do their you know do their uniforms give them a pass? I was thinking yeah. about that. Like no one checked their identity. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. I guess because the Kyoshi security again. Because <laughs> the Kyoshi warriors were like working. volunteered there. Yeah. yeah, so they probably like saw the uniform and the makeup and were like, okay. You know, and it's like nobody tried to talk to Suki, right. and we're like, "Ha, huh, she doesn't sound like her." Well, I right. feel like if anybody Who talks to the help, they could have just been uh, like, "Oh, we we came from the island, like we're other Kyoshi warriors." Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, and Azula's such such a manipulator. Yeah, she's like, like scarily competent. She's like so fucking badass. I yeah. know, obviously, like you know, it's like a, a love hate thing we have with with them. Like they're yeah. yeah, they're so competent that it's like she definitely like could smooth talk her way through anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so funny. Like it's worth pointing out also again. Like when they're talking and she's just like, "Girls, we've had an excellent opportunity to drop into our laps. We can take over the entire Earth Kingdom." Yeah, <laughs> and like Tylee and May like snap their heads over to look at her because it's like. When they started out this mission, it was just to capture Zuko. Love it. <laughs> and Azula kept on upping the goal. Yeah. Like, she was just like, let's also capture the Avatar. And let's also conquer the entire um, she's Earth Kingdom. She's a hashtag girl boss, and she's growing her business. <laughs> and we love to see it. <laughs> women supporting women. <laughs> just like, while we're out, let's also do this. And then she hears Zuko's there, and she's just like, I just keep winning today. Yo, like, when that <laughs> happens, I was like, Azula is some sort of, like, holistic conqueror. Like, she's like, I'll just do things. She manifests. And then everything will just work out. Yes. She's like... And look at that. My original goal, capturing Zuko, just worked out. I knew this was the right path. Conquering the Earth Kingdom was definitely the right path to get me to my other goal, too. <laughs> like, There's an argument here that the, the business advice that we got was from Iroh, but the business advice we need is from Azula. Yeah. But she's following <laughs> Iroh's advice. You follow Which- your passion and you'll be rewarded. <laughs> Her passion Literally. for conquering the Azula's entire world. Azula's like one of those people who's like, I am the main character of my life and therefore everything should work out you for know, me. You know, it's sometimes, yes. I have friends that are like like that, not in a scary way or not in, even in like an arrogant or douchey way. And yeah. it just seems to work for them. And I'm like, am I just too cynical to believe it? And that's why it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, to be- This is the relationship between action and optimism. <laughs> to be honest- <laughs> 
I have that kind of like mentality sometimes. Like when I applied for Hope the is all you need. When I applied for the jet program, I like wrote my essay like the day before I had to mail the thing out. And I was like, oh, it'll be fine. I want to get in, so I'll get in. Oh, my God. And I got in. And then when I came back from Japan and I was like, I need to get a job. And I'm like, well, I'll just go with this recruiter and I'll get a job. I got a job. And then it sucked. And then I quit. And then I was like, I'll try again. And literally, like, first, like, both times, it was like, first interview, I got the job. Like, first interview I went on, I got the job. Oh, my God. We're all mad at you. I was just like, well, we're all thrilled for Stephanie over here. But honestly, as friends, we so are. My, <laughs> so my advice is just, like, be overly confident for, like, no reason. Have no reason to be confident in yourself. And just be like, yeah, it'll, it'll Listen, work out. If you're kind and you're attractive, there's no need to be proactive. Oh, my God. It'll <laughs> just happen to you. Well, okay. I will say the, the fact that I got the jobs was literally just because I went through a recruiter, which is, like, mm-hmm. very different from trying to find a job yourself. Yeah. Because I tried that and I got no responses. So <laughs> That's more like it. Yeah, that's more realistic. And it was also like a very specific kind of recruiter. Mm. Like for people who can speak Japanese. So like that's like people don't actually take my advice. I'm just saying sometimes. <laughs> Let the backtracking begin. Yeah. Well, my point is sometimes that way of thinking like does work out honest to god with the jet program i was like well i really want to get in and like it's my life and i'm the main character so like (laughs) it's just gonna work out for me and i want that confidence (laughs) that's the only thing i've ever in my life been that confident at uh to be honest yeah damn this is this is really what zuko meant when he said zula was born lucky and i was lucky to be born like (laughs) like honestly though everything falls into her lap like nothing oh my gosh azula She's just out living her normal life, and then she's like, oh, look, the Avatar. Yeah. Oh, look, conquering the Earth Kingdom. Oh, look, Zuko, my original goal. This is great. It's true that everything kind of falls into her lap, but, like, the brilliance is that she knows how to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Like, when she heard everything from the Earth King, she immediately knew, like, what she needed to do to then manipulate the Dai Li. Yeah, and, like, she knows how to use Mei and Tai Li, like, perfectly, and, Mm -hmm. like, they know how to deal with her, and... Yeah, it's like a, it's just like the actual dream boss. (laughs) Dare I say it? No, I'm like half kidding. (laughs) You know something I just realized? Dai Li is spelled D-A-I, right? So there's an example of them actually knowing how to pronounce that. And it makes me a little bit madder about May's name. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Sidebar. Inconsistencies. That's it. Yo, speaking of, so how are we feeling about them revealing to us immediately that the May and Tai Lee conversation was a setup for the Dai Li to overhear. I like because that. I rem- I was watching it and I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Because would it have been better for them to not tell us that and have it revealed at the end, like, oh, this was my plan all along? Mm-hmm. Or is it like it gives us more tension this way because we're like, oh, so what's Zula's plan? Yeah. As opposed to the tension of, oh, are they going to be caught? What's going to happen? How are they going to react to the Dai Li being onto them? Yeah. And then, like, twist, they knew. I think having it be a later reveal would have been really satisfying if they didn't already have 50 fucking plot lines in this episode. Yeah, there was a lot going and, on. And, like, and that's not a complaint. I Again, like, one, like for the millionth time, it's, like, I never really felt like... I, I mean, to be honest, I feel like I would have liked this episode to have been two episodes because I wished we spent more time with certain things, like, especially the whole guru area that we mm-hmm. haven't even gotten to yet. Mm-hmm. Um... I understand why they wouldn't have had that be its own 
thing because I feel like that would have just kind of probably bored like the target audience. Um, but I still felt like it, it would have been like fun and interesting to see how they expanded it more. And even like, yeah, I, for me, it's like, I think, I think what you said is true. I think it would have been cooler if it was like kept a secret and then it was revealed at the end. But I felt like there were so many bombs constantly dropping <laughs> that like, they just like had to throw some stuff in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Especially because we started off all of them separated and then they're setting up the stage for them to all be united again. Mm-hmm. I think that would just be a lot to kind of like process. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. I mean, this is good because it keeps Azula as a really scary villain though. Yeah. Last episode mm-hmm. I said it had felt like the end of a of a season, like them all separating. And then like the new season's first episode would open like with a t- like a small time jump and they're all separated and then they all make their way back. You know, like they could have stretched that out if they wanted to, where it's like mm-hmm. here... They literally separated at the end of last episode, the start of this episode. And then by the end, like two of them are already together and like one's on their way and the other one's captured, you know, where it's like, it's, it's so fast. The, the like character separating, like they made such a big deal of it. And then like, it goes away in like half an episode, <laughs> like a little, like immediately everyone's like, oh shit, like this was the wrong move. We all have to get back. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, I wish like we needed like one more episode, I think to just like have everybody be exist. Yeah. Exist with them all apart a little bit longer. Yeah. Oh my god. But we all can agree that the episode that should not get its own episode is Katara's journey from the war planning room. <laughs> <laughs> <to the fucking Yeah. laughs> that would not be the way. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. It's like Tales of Bossing Say, the tale of Katara, extended edition. <laughs> oh no. Just like following her around the market, like <laughs> Just like, I have a really important meeting later today. And then she just sits there and doesn't say anything the entire meeting. And then at the end, they're just like, can you go tell this person this thing? And she's like, on it. She leaves and it's like, bitch, you should have gone to see your dad. And then she doesn't do it. And then she she stops for like fucking dumplings. Like, Oh my God. Can I just say, since we like briefly talked about, you know, at the beginning of the episode, they're all like separating and you see like Aang drop off Sokka. Why? Did he drop him off so far away from the camp? Me that too! <laughs> dropped him off like on a cliff. Like I was like, now Sokka has to fucking hike to go see well, his Sokka dad. Sokka needed time to vomit into the ocean before he walked up to his dad's yeah, camp, you I know? Yeah, I said that too. I was like, Sokka needs time to like mentally press. Like he was so nervous, but it was so cute how yeah. nervous he was. Yeah. But also, I thought it was weird that no one reacted to Sokka walking up to their camp. They weren't like, Sokka, where did you come from? How did you get here? Yeah. They're just like, oh, hey, Sokka, nice to see you. That's <laughs> true. In a while, been two years. Like, not, not even like, how did you get our location? How many people know our location? Like, we're at war. <laughs> you know, I didn't think about the fact that they didn't know he was coming. And they just, like, let him walk up, like... <laughs> I mean, he was wearing blue. Yeah. Well, they all they all did know him, I guess. But oh, yeah. it's also just like, to be fair, it's like, yeah, he could have been like being held captive by like Fire Nation soldiers and being forced to lead them to like his, the troop. You know, it's like it could have been an ambush or something or a trap or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I suppose. I was like, Bato probably did tell them that he was traveling with the Avatar. Yeah, that's true. But still. I like the, I like that Bato, like he had, I mean, I didn't like it, but you know, like he had the big scar all down right. his arm. Like the that was like a nice detail to to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like yeah, we didn't get to spend a lot of time with him and his dad. And I understand that's like the nature of war. It's like this was like a lucky little moment he he caught them and could share a moment. Right. But I was still like, I wanted to see more. 
yeah. he got to have his own personal uh, issues with being not considered one of the men warriors yeah. two years ago and being left behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of resolved in that moment. So that was good for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yo, does Hakoda die? No. Okay, good. I was, I like, was getting, are we, like, are we telling yeah, Abby? Um, like... <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's it doesn't. Yeah, no. It's not like it. It's not like it ever comes up where it's like, oh, maybe is he or is he not? It's like no. Yeah, no. Like, there's never any kind of cliffhanger. I was thinking like Mulan with Shang and his dad. He's like, oh yeah, mm. I got my dad's validation, and then oh, oh I see. Like, he was like, hey, <laughs> time to die, Sokka. You want to come fight the Fire Nation with us? Oh no, I gotta go save Katara. And then he finds out they all died. Right? <laughs> oh, God, that was I was terrible. I thought it was going that direction. I don't know. Well, don't worry, because Katara still has her issues with her dad that need to be dealt with, so he can't die <laughs> before that happens. True. Uh, but I did like that, where he was like, you don't have to prove anything to me. I, like I literally wrote, Hakoda's such a good dad. <laughs> Compared to, like, I mean, he's not the best father figure we've seen. That was Monkey Yatsu. Yeah, Monkey Yatsu! I know! Uh- Oh, I saw on Reddit, someone had posted like, I guess it was, oh my God, what are they called? I'm blanking. The sketches you do to like map shit out. What are those? What are these? Oh, like storyboards? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I couldn't think of a word. (laughs) They were were like storyboards for this episode, like to go with the whole loss segment. And it was like Mm. Aang and Monkeyazzo, like flinging more fruit pies at people. And then, and it's like super cute. And then Aang turns his head and then Monkeyazzo is like a skeleton. I was like, Jesus Christ. (gasps) So that probably got vetoed by Nickelodeon, I would say. Oh my God. Yeah. I messed up just hearing about it. On Reddit. I literally just, I went to the Avatar, the last Airbender Reddit, and then I searched the Guru, and it was one of the first things that popped up, so. Yeah, that's a good segue into the the Guru. So, yes. finding balance and the seven chakras to unleash. Okay, so, like, the negative things is, like, fear, guilt, shame and disappointment, grief, the lies we tell ourselves, the illusion of separation, and earthly attachments. I was like, yeah. and we're only dedicating, like, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to this? <laughs> honestly yeah i was just like that really we're just burning through all these huge existential issues yeah and it was like ag was just like okay it's gone like about everything (laughs) i was like um what like i bumped on that the first time with the fear and he was like okay and then i was like wait and then i was like okay i have to reorder my thinking in order for me to be okay with this i have to assume that he's just accepting that he is afraid of those things yeah. instead of just being like i'm no longer afraid because i'm like don't like, yeah. yeah yeah i think the whole i think what doesn't get explained very well is that it's not that you're like not supposed to ever feel these emotions like it's not like he can't ever be afraid it's that you have to like not let that fear control you in the same way with the shame like forgive yourself and like yeah. and you know just be accepting of the fact that these things happened and you can't do anything to change them. Don't like, mm-hmm. you know, but that doesn't really get put into words. Right. Yeah. Which for the most part is fine that they don't like fully expand on that except for the last chakra, right? Yeah. Feel like he doesn't <laughs> really explain it, which is why Aang has an issue with it. But yeah. Yeah. we'll get there, I'm sure. I was going to say the same, but yeah. like, yeah, let's like, we can like go in order. Like, <laughs> Sure. Well, no, we don't even have to, but it, yeah, I felt like it was um, in the art book. They actually talk about how a lot of adult fans of the show have told Bryke that they really connected with this episode and took away valuable spiritual lessons. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with that. I feel like as a kid, I was like 
really interested in different religions and like spirituality and like I you know I was also like the you know I had like a tarot deck in like seventh grade and I was into all like all like that different stuff like Mm -hmm. not to you know I know this is like a bit more on the religious spiritual side than like the occult I'm not trying to like (laughs) you know you know what I mean um but in general I was just into like any sort of mysticism adjacent type of thing to to my understanding and so like I really latched onto this episode because I'd heard about Mm -hmm. chakras and like they became pretty popular, you know, a very watered down version. And I feel like that's still true today um, Mm -hmm. in like the West, in the US at least. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, as a kid, I was like, oh, I want to like learn more about this. And then as an adult, I was just like, wow, this was not enough kind of thing. Or, you know, I don't know. Like as a kid, I felt like this, it was like really satisfying. And I was like, wow, like this is so deep. And as an adult, I'm just like, I have questions. Like... So Please expand. <laughs> but I still really appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate that they did it and they tried. And again, like I said earlier, I understand why they didn't go as deep as they maybe have, maybe even they wanted to. Right. I mean, it's a lot to get into when yeah. you also have so much else happening. Yeah. Something I thought is interesting is the colors of the like visions that Aang has for each mm. chakra are the color that is associated with that chakra. And that was interesting to me, too, because just literally just reading, like, the Chakra Wikipedia page, Mm -hmm. um, apparently, like, those colors weren't even introduced until, like, a white dude wrote a book about them in, like, the uh, 10s or, like, the 1920s or something. Mm -hmm. Who knew? Yeah, it's it's, the Charles... W. Leadbeater's 1927 book, The Chakras, introduced the seven rainbow colors for the chakras. Wow. And also, yeah, it's like really interesting. Even again, like literally, I'm just like spirituality light. I'm on Wikipedia and it's just interesting to read it because Miko and I were talking about it because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I was like, you're a Buddhist. So like chakras. And he was just like, eh, yes and no. You know, like they're they originated, I think, more in like India. Mm mm-hmm. But it's like Tibetan Buddhists use them and, you know, it's it's a part of Buddhism. But then like chakras themselves are, I think like the, even the word chakra might mean like wheel or something. It and does, like they yeah. were normally, it like it was normally presented as like a wheel and it was like the wheel of Dharma or the wheel of time. Mm-hmm. And like, I, it sounds like, it's interesting, like I'm trying to see like what, what we know they are now versus like what they were and how it was like changed over the years. And like, mm-hmm. honestly, almost like not gentrified, but kind of, or like colonized, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah appropriated. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like interesting to, to re- look into that all. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause yeah, like, I mean, he was aware of them, but like, it's, it seems like it's, it's very different for like different types of Buddhists even. Right. Yeah. They also showed when Aang was like, I don't, I can only remember one and it was when he was doing the last chakra, like he does different like hand positions and Mm. those are like real things also. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're used in real life when people are meditating to open the chakras. Mm -hmm. They have a name, but I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. I mean, it's like mudras. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So when I do yoga, sometimes the teacher talks about chakras and mm-hmm. when we're mm-hmm. doing breathing exercises, she's, it's, I mean, it's typically a woman. She usually says, like, oh, if you feel comfortable, you can do the mudra or whatever, and then show us, like, the hand positions. So I was like, okay, this is making sense. But yeah. mm-hmm. also, many yoga teachers are also, like, white females, so very interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, I definitely I have that conversation with one of my really good friends is Indian, and, like, she practices yoga, 
And that's always like a thing she bumps on is like Mm -hmm. the, the like duality of like a lot of the teachers that she's had and like that we had at like the studio were white women. And Mm -hmm. it was interesting, like how you would get ones that were like completely ignoring like the spiritual side. And it was just like yoga is an exercise. Then you had the ones that like were legitimately like trying to share these things right and then even like you know where it's like then it was like oh they mean well but it's like still kind of weird but like it's better than nothing but like uh, and it's kind of just like there's no binary like good bad it's just like yeah it's it's like all all of that stuff like the tightrope between appreciation and appropriation yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like when I was googling about the chakras a lot of the information that I found was on websites that were about yoga And it was Mm -hmm. like, here are different yoga poses that you can do to like help open this chakra or whatever. And it was all like yoga adjacent, mostly. Mm. I didn't go to the Wikipedia page because I was like, that's going to be a lot of information. And I want an infographic. Like, (laughs) (laughs) You want Uh, the like, so you want to talk about chakras. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. One thing I thought was really funny was the second chakra is the only one they didn't mention where it's located. And it's because it's like... (laughs) It's because it's between your belly button and the top of your pelvis. So it's like, or your pubic bone. So it, you know, because the pleasure that is like sexual pleasure. I definitely didn't pick up on that as a kid. But this time I was just like, they didn't want to talk about the crotch. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Cowards. In order, I wrote down like the different chakras and like what Guru Patik said about them. And then what Aang saw. And like also the look, like, you know blocked yeah by whatever and the color and the location and I was like that's the only one he didn't mention location and it's mm-hmm. definitely it's definitely because of where it is yeah uh was there yeah. any specific chakra that was speaking out to you or you felt personally attacked by <laughs> <laughs> all of them <laughs> well I mean like but like the one that was blocked by grief I like cried Mm. But that's because my mm. family recently has gone through a loss. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, I get it, but like, I'm not ready to hear it. Yeah. So that one was tough for me to watch, yeah. especially because that one I think is just like really in general, like what Ang's whole grief is, is also like really terrible that yeah. it's like his loss is the loss of his entire people and culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I definitely teared up at that part. Obviously, mm-hmm. I wasn't going through the same, like, personal emotions as you, but it was, like, yeah, just, like, the weight of, like, this person, like, yeah, like, the realization, not that we didn't know this previously, that, like, oh, like, this person lived through- The last airbender. Yeah, lived through a genocide. Right. Like, yeah. It sounds stupid, but sometimes I'll kind of forget about the last airbender aspect Mm -hmm. of this show, like, because it doesn't get- explicitly brought up that much. So, like, in the back of your head, you know he's the last one, there was a genocide, but, like- every once in a while it really hits you like his entire mm-hmm. culture is gone yeah and like seeing them all there was like really upsetting and him being at this temple mm-hmm. was like upsetting and it was cool yeah and like super i mean this is not related but it was like super reminiscent of uh i forget now what it's called like that one area of china with like those big like the big misty mountains that peek out oh, through yeah, yeah, yeah. you know where it's like um he's not here or else i'm like he knows right away but it's like it was like i feel like that like image of China is like super heavily influential. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Avatar, the James Cameron Blue People Avatar was like heavily inspired by it too. Right. The other Avatar. The the other other avatar. <laughs> I was like, wait, not a part of um, this podcast. No, the other like, Avatar like, that used the papyrus font. <laughs> the papyrus font. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. No. Guru. 
Patik, he's talking about like love, and Aang like glances over at a statue of Avatar Yang Chen. Yeah. And he like smiles, and then like his face falls mm-hmm. before before the guru even gets to the part about grief. Yeah. Like Aang's face falls, mm-hmm. and then in the next scene after that, like he talks about the being blocked by grief, and then they cut to them in this new place, this like. I don't know if it was like a hall of avatar statues or something. There was a giant statue of Avatar Yang Chen and it's all it was all crumbled from the genocide. Yeah. I was just like, damn, mm-hmm. this sucks. Yeah. yeah. Abby, did you have one that stuck out for you? I'm reading through the list and like obviously I feel like all seven hit in one way, yeah. shape, or yeah. form. But I think lately it's always been the shame and disappointment, which, you know, the balance right. of that would be the willpower. And it's always mm-hmm. just the it kind of ties back to what we were talking about with how sometimes it just works out for people Mm -hmm. like the willpower for me is like not there sometimes and I think a lot of that is deeply tied to my own self-worth sometimes Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. kind of just like how to balance that and the things that I'm ashamed of and that's like my ancestral generational traumas of being a woman and being Asian and things like that so I was like it's been on my mind so it's funny that that came up in this episode and I was like okay these are the things that I'm thinking about um and then things like earthly attachment on the total opposite end of that like where (laughs) i stopped buying clothes in the pandemic because why do i need clothes and coming to the realization that there's so many things that brought me happiness for whatever reason it's because i was so busy with the pace of life but now that that slowed down i can think more pointedly about the things that actually do bring satisfaction to me day to day Mm -hmm. um so i like that this was you know, I wasn't too happy with Aang's acceleration through yeah. all these things, but... Aang was just, like, speedrunning yeah. life. Honestly, he's just like, we're connected. Everyone's connected. Pass. And I was like, fuck you. I was like, I get uh. it. That one was, like, so beautifully explained, too. But, yeah, but there's, like, no... They don't let us, like, linger on these things. No. Right. It yeah. jumps right into like, the next... Or, like, the other parallel storylines. And I was like, damn, yeah. I don't need to know Katara's thirsty right now. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, you get it because they need to get through everything. Yeah. But you're also like, we need more. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. we need just, like, a little bit more. No, I feel like that whole, like, seventh chakra thing. Like, not even my own self with, like, earthly attachments. I feel like he didn't explain it right. Because I feel like mm-hmm. letting go of your earthly attachment to Katara is not the same as not loving her. Right. Yeah. That that Miko and I bumped on that right. too. Yeah. And like he didn't explain that to Aang. He just was like, "You gotta let go." And I'm like, "Can yeah. you take two seconds to explain to this literal twelve year old what it means and that it doesn't mean you can't have like love in your life?" Yeah. Because like Avatar Roku was married, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. I mean, and like Avatar Kurok had was he married to his wife before Coastal? Like that lady before I think Coastal so. stole her face. Yeah. So it's like you know he knows that past or does he know? I don't know that past avatars <laughs> have had relationships. <laughs> like it's not something you have to completely give up. And I feel yeah. like because he doesn't get that explained to him, he's just like, no, I don't want that. And I do yeah. think that whole lot the line is hilarious. Like oh my god, I forgot. I can't find it now. Is it the one where he was like, why would I choose cosmic energy over Katara? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yo, like, and I also don't think it was like, three chakras ago, that was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, you know, I was wondering that too. Like, I was frustrated because I was like, he could have both. And then I like caught myself and I was like, oh, am I just being like, am I looking at this through like a super Western lens? 
and, and, and then Miko was just like, that's fucking stupid. He could have both. And I was like, okay, I was right. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's more like it's not a Western lens. It's he's yeah. 12. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Also, like, not for nothing, I was also, like, you know, even if, like, the Avatar normally wasn't allowed, like, if this was, like, a priestly calling or something, and, like, they weren't allowed to take on a spouse, and, like, Aang was straight, like, I mean, presumably, actually, you know, we don't know. Oh, Jen, none of the Avatars are straight. I know, actually, like, as soon as I said that, I was like, that's, we don't know that, like, so many Avatars. But, um, yeah, but it's, like, even if that was the case, like, I think they'd make an exception for someone who, like, wanted to have kids and, like, you know, because their entire population was destroyed in a yeah. genocide, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, like, writing down all of the, the seven chakra, like, notes the same as the stuff you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. I was just like, this is like a daily journal, like, I gotta do this, Man. yeah, you can do, like, just write those down and think about your day and how the seven chakras applied to your mental state and identity <laughs> that day. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And and let let Aang saying fuck the rules apply to you too sometimes. So, you know, sometimes you yes. have to breeze through them and sometimes you don't, you know, sometimes they make you cry. Yeah. And sometimes you just run away from them. <laughs> Life, too man. Real. Too real. When he was running and Guru was like, hold on, if you leave now, you won't ever be able to enter the Avatar state ever again. And I was like, hold up. I was like, did you tell him this before you started? Or are you just springing it on him now? Yeah. Because it kind of seems like you're just springing it on him now. He did say like, something like, once you start, you have to finish. Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah, he, the but stakes he didn't, weren't clear. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say, otherwise you won't be able to enter the Avatar state. And I was going to be like, how like, do you know that, though? <laughs> Like, Mister, you can trust me because I'm a close personal friend of Monkey Also, I yeah. was like, damn, okay. I mean, it's it's one thing for him to not be able to control himself in the Avatar state because that's obviously that's been set up as a consistently like frustrating and scary experience for him and his loved ones. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing to be like, you can never access this power again. And that's, like, super weird to me, too. Like, yeah, that they would make it such an ultimatum because it's, like, I'm sure there were plenty of avatars that, like, I don't know. I guess, like, when they went and trained with the airbenders, they'd have learned that. But, like, I don't know. It just felt so, like, all or nothing. They all had their chakra opening field trip? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> we all want a field trip, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, like, how would you be able to do that if, like, you didn't have access to, to that? Like, and then yeah. you gotta have like your onion banana juice, like fucking <laughs> nasty. Onion banana pickle. <laughs> this entire thing like never comes up in Korra, really. Like, I mean, to be fair, like the whole Avatar spirit thing gets expanded, you know, a lot mm-hmm. more. Which for me, uh, like, kind of taking that canon and like retro retroactively applying it to this, it's just like, oh well, like Rava would wouldn't be such a, a douche about this kind of thing. Like, there's bigger things at play. Um, but obviously this, you know, this was made before that probably existed in, right. in like their minds. So it's, it's like, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. First of all, what's up with this, like, trope, this old men and weird foods gag that was so popular <laughs> in the 2000s? Literally in the 2000s, like, cause it was like in Jackie Chan Adventures, there was uncle, he was always about garlic. In Digimon season two, there's like Cody's grandpa was always about like prune juice. I'm sure that was just an American invention. I was like, it's always old men and prune juice. Yeah. <laughs> and then it had this like onion banana. <laughs> I yeah. was like, what? But I yeah. feel like we had mentioned this before, 
Mm. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I guess, like, none of us can really, like, 100% comment on his design and, like, presentation because none of us are Indian. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, I kind of, I, I know, like, in the past, like, there have been criticisms about him. And, again, I feel like he just, it's, like, that tightrope of, like, relying on pre-existing tropes and, like, whether or not those tropes are good or not. And, like, part of that depends on how often they're used that they become stereotypes. And he's, like, I, I don't know, it's, like, it's a little, it's, like, tough for me to make a judgment call. This whole thing would bother me less if there was other South Asian representation in the show. Mm. Yeah. Like, he's the only character who appears to be from south asia yeah like i guess he's and an then Earth you're also Kingdom like citizen. where did he come from like yeah who are you and like i think it's because it's just him that kind mm. of makes it definitely fall into that like this is a character thing yeah. like it's not like he's like the spiritual guy out of a group of people like it's like it's just him yeah yeah but again i can't completely speak on it yeah, no, but that's fair. I, I wasn't even, I feel like we've talked about that, but like I hadn't even thought about that like today. So much as just like, like, oh, I remember like someone reading a fun fact that like, yeah, he's like really old and obviously it's heavily implied if he was friends with uh, Gyatso. That he's over 100 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that was an Avatar extra. This guy is Aang's contemporary. This was just an episode of two old dudes hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one of the Avatar extras did say like, he's older than Aang. Who's 112. But Aang looks fine because he was in an iceberg. The Avatar extras were, like, not doing it this episode. To be honest. <laughs> That's not the way. That's not it. No. Uh, yeah. no I mean, that seventh chakra wasn't the only one that Aang kind of misinterpreted, I thought. Mm. Too. Like, that whole guilt thing with the firebending. Mm. Right? Where it's like, what Aang is actually feeling guilty about is, like, he's ashamed of his own overconfidence and carelessness endangering someone that he loves mm-hmm. but he's sort of blaming it all just on like firebending being evil yeah and then when guru doesn't really try super hard to like fight him on that he was sort of like no like you can't just not firebend you're the avatar and therefore you're a firebender mm-hmm. and ang was like uh fine yeah he's like that's a technicality <laughs> well i mean i think technically guru patik doesn't know what ang was seeing so all he heard was Aang be like, I'm never going to firebend again. And he doesn't really know what the context is to even really be able to work him through what his actual mm. issue is, you know? So, like, I feel like him just being like, yeah, you can't do that, though, is, like, probably the most that he's going to be able to say in that situation. <laughs> so you cannot lie to yourself about who you really are. Yeah. But that's, I feel like that's the thing, too, though. I feel like I, I feel like we, part of our hangup would have been better if they had implied like a sense of time passing in between the the chakra's introduction and the resolution. Mm-hmm. Like if they had had a couple of the times where they cut away to another plot and he was, you know, we like left him struggling with one and then we came back and then at least like, you know, then he, maybe he resolves it and then he's like exhausted and it's like, I need a break or, you know, he struggles a little more and then we see it. Like just implying that it wasn't literally like it all happened in like one two minutes like moment like <laughs> I would have felt better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. That's like my my one like note for this episode was just like cut the like cut cut away to the B plots more strategically. Yeah, totally. And even if it, I guess like I'm trying to think like what would be better. Maybe not necessarily an entirely separate episode, but extend the length of this one. Yeah. Mm. Or cut Katara out. I don't care. Like, 
I'm not letting that go. You need to get her captured so that we can move the plot along. Yeah. She need. I mean, as like kind of like silly as it all was, like everything that happened with her needed to happen for the next episode to go down the way it does. Yeah, it's true. Katara needs to blab to Azula that Zuko's in the city. (laughs) But I feel like that's the thing, too, where it's like we haven't even gotten to Toph yet. And like I feel like with Toph, it's like the way that they cut away from her and cut back to her, you know, it implied that she didn't figure out metal bending in like one five minute sitting. Like she was at this for like probably hours. Yeah. Like in this thing, just like kind of galaxy braining like slowly over time, which is like this Aang should have been doing the same thing. Right. Right. But with Toph, like they showed it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I first watched this episode, really liking that sort of uh, transition parallel thing. Yeah, like the voiceover of Guru. Yeah, the voiceover with the Guru. He was talking to Aang about all the elements like actually being one and how metal is actually just purified, refined earth. Yeah. And like overlaid with Toph like banging against the metal. It's so fucking cool. And figuring that. This episode, when I was watching it though, I mean this time, I was like, okay, I remember feeling like this was really cool and I, I still feel like it's pretty cool, but I was like, why are you talking about metal right now Mm -hmm. i was like just because the way he went into it he was like we're all one there aren't four nations we're all one people even the elements they're all just versions of each other he was like even metal is just part of earth and i was like but this isn't it's like you're talking like this is like five elements theory Mm. which is it's a convenient um, dialogue a chinese philosophy used to describe interactions and relationships between things where wood, fire, earth, metal, and water are the elements. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they're the fundamental elements of everything in the universe. That's why pentagrams are ruined for Westerners. Because it's like, that's that's like depicted in like, what is it, like Taoism and whatnot and Taoism as like a pentagram. But in the US, if you have a pentagram, everyone's like, you worship the devil. And it's just like, no, I just think elements are cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, that's, and it's like used all throughout, like, you know, it's like feng shui, astrology, Chinese medicine, even. Yeah. Anyway, I was like, but, but this isn't, when you talk about the elements in this universe, yeah. you're not, you're not talking about the five elements theory. You're talking about earth, water, fire, air. Like, why are you talking about metal? I don't yeah. know. I was willing to, I was willing to overlook it because it was, it was such like a cool. But it was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny though. It was very cool. And Toph, like, would learn how to metal bend out of spite. <laughs> like, he told her she couldn't. She's like, uh, just yeah. wait and see. Yeah. Yo, I mean, she, because they were just like, oh, your little tricks aren't gonna, like, fool us. You may think, you may like to think that you're the greatest earthbender, but even you can't bend metal. Which, first of all, that part where they're like, but even you can't bend metal, I'm like, so is this actually a thing that just, like, all the that people like they they are aware that metal is made out of earth and they're like does that mean we can bend it oh i guess not mm. like i guess not because like the guru had to like flag that like maybe they were aware of that being yeah. a possibility beforehand i don't know i feel but like i liked how had to i feel like they have to know like kind of how it's refined if only for the fact that the fire nations probably got them in like work camps doing Right. I just meant like, was it, I meant more like, has it been in the past a discussion amongst Earthbenders? Like, could this theoretically be possible? Yeah, I'm sure it was. Because I'm sure like, like it might have literally have been like an Earthbender and a Firebender being like, let's fuck around. Like, and like before they were enemies, you know? Like, I mean, I guess it's like, I don't even know how like metal was discovered in like our universe, whatever timeline, you know, where it's like sometimes inventions happen by accident where it's like, I don't know how, like... 
somebody realized you could like create this and then like yeah. heat it and shape it and whatnot. And like mm. metal metal bending has been mentioned before in the show. I can't think of specific examples, but they have brought it up previously. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I feel like there was like a joke at one point. Yeah, where, I think like, it was only just was like, like the I joke. wish I was a metal bender. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, the they did sort of the same thing with the lightning bending, where the first time um, Ira redirected it was like a gag. Yeah. So I feel like the show does do that kind of thing, where they like introduce stuff in a very like flippant manner, so then it's like at least not coming out of nowhere when they first bring it up. Like Toph, um, being able to be a lie detector was out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but at least this one wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've brought up the inability to bend metal before. Yeah. In terms of, like, when they used metal to be a prisoner for all the Earth Kingdom people in Haru's town. Not yeah. Earth. Actually metal. Or things like that. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. like, you know, all their good luck getting out of that metal cage. Yeah. But, yeah. But anyway, I was I was actually going to say that at the end when she busts out, I like how, you know, they're like, oh, there's a hole in the kit, you know? And she's like, it's real. And then she puts them in there and she says, I'm the greatest earthbender in the world. Don't you dunderheads ever forget it. Mm -hmm. Because they were saying like, oh, you just do tricks and you like to think you're the greatest earthbender, but you're not. Mm. And she's like, it's not a trick. I am a great earthbender. I can bend metal now. Especially also even just like, I was thinking about how back in Bitter Work when she was telling Aang how to earthbend and she was like, there's no trick to earthbending. Mm -hmm. You do it. So I was just like, they offended her on a personal level. (laughs) Yeah. I also, I like that her metal bending, I think for the rest of the show, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, I like that she has to be like touching it to do it. Um, Like she can't just like look at metal from afar and like move it or anything yet. Like she's still like today she had to like drag it together and like she has to like be physically touching it still. And then, like, we know in the future and, like, in Korra and stuff, like, other there are other metal benders in the future and, like, they can just, they go fucking crazy with it. Mm-hmm. And, like, you see how it evolved. Like, I guess probably, like, it, same thing with, like, the bending that existed, like, when it f- was first existed and, like, how it evolved over time. Yeah. It's really nice how we get this power crawl with Toph, too, because, like, we were watching Katara slowly get better at water bending. Yeah. And with Toph, she when she's introduced, she's already a friggin' amazing earthbender. Yeah, so it's but like, then where we do you still go? see her improve. Mm-hmm. Like we see her get better at sand bending, and we see right now her metal bending is very rough, and we see it get better. Yeah, and more refined. So that's really cool. I feel like there's a, there's an argument like that now she's almost well. No, now it's all it. Yeah, like I already I, OP. That's what I'm saying though. I feel like you know it's like she <laughs> and then she just like, gets was, better. Yeah, I feel like she was already arguably overpowered, and then, like, you know, she had some obvious weaknesses, but then now this is just, like, a huge, like, edge that she's got, too. Mm-hmm. Which, like, again, I'm not complaining, but it's just funny. Yeah. I mean, once she does it, is she able to metal bend easily, or is this going to be something that it's going to, she's going to work to get to the fact that she can use it easily? You know what I'm trying to get at? Like, yeah, I feel like they they handle it pretty well. It's still, I mean, now like the more they deal with the Fire Nation, the more they're dealing with like tanks and stuff. So it's part of it's like it just becomes more convenient. Mm. Like I feel like the drill was almost like that entire episode. You could argue was just like sh- like letting the audience know like this is how difficult it would be normally for them to take on like one tank, and then in the future they're they're literally mm. dealing with like an entire mm. fleet, and then now yeah. she has this, so it, it just like gives them like, an easier access point to start actually, like, getting the real fight started and not just the, like, how do we just deal with this whole big first right. problem kind yeah. of thing. 
Like, I don't think they make it seem like she immediately now can always do it. Yeah. I mean, she can, but, like, like she can do it, but it's not like she's, like, perfect at it. Like, the same way, like, the same skill level that she has with her earth bending is not what she has with the metal bending. Yeah. Okay. At this point. I feel like, to be fair, though, they also, they don't really ever show her, like, struggle so much. Sometimes she'll be like, wait, this, like, give me a second, and then she just does it. Yeah. Um. So I feel like it's also, like, it's, she, yeah, like, you don't really see her struggle. Either. I feel like she never really sh- struggles with anything. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like... <laughs> She is a little OP. Like the two the two things that she has that are like her major weaknesses, which is sandbending and not being mm. able to bend metal. Like she gets over both of those mm-hmm. things within yeah. the show. Now it's like the only thing is if somebody throws like a non-earth or metal projectile at her, like she can't sense right. those things. <laughs> this is about like May stocking up on ceramic weapons. <laughs> I actually Wait, I is it ceramic earth? I can't remember. I read I think a fanfic. Like, I think so. Isn't it clay? Shit. But it's like a certain, but clay is just a certain type of dirt. Yeah. I read a fan fiction once that had like May figured out that she could bend metal and then she had like knives made out of like bone or something. Mm. Ooh. But that's nice. Yeah. I think that was what it was. I don't know. Make some really sharp like wooden things. Isn't there, there's like a guy on YouTube who like makes knives out of like random stuff and then they're like really sharp. Like he made out of like, um, plastic and stuff i believe you anything (laughs) moral of the story if you just like are passionate about it it just works out yeah be like azula and iroh (laughs) just follow your passion need hope isn't a distraction take a break from your very important military job and get tea you deserve it anything else about this app when Azula was like, it's terrible when you can't trust the people who are closest to you. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I know what's going on, but I can. (laughs) I'll wait till I get there. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Azula, in the episode, Azula was like saying to the Earth King, like, oh, it sucks if you can't trust people. Because he's like, oh, my Dai Li like betrayed me. Can you believe it? And she's just like, that sucks. Like, I feel bad. I thought that that would be like alluding to Tylee and May. Oh, I there mean, that's what it was meant. I was like, is that a sign of things to come? It'll bite her in the ass, if, you know. I mean, it should. Yeah, we'll see. I liked how Ty Lee was like teasing May in the when about her makeup and stuff. Mm. And then I was like, this is interesting. I was like, Ty Lee teases May, and then she praises Azula. Yeah, dynamics, group dynamics. Yeah, Azula her just said, being like, you're so confident. I love that about you. Yeah, I was like, I can't tell if you mean it or not. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Tylee has power over Azula too. Like, it's like Tylee's teasing May, and then she praises Azula. And there's an element there that's like, you can't just make fun of Azula because Azula doesn't have a kind of personality that's receptive to that. Mm. And she's, you know, she's kind of like, even though they're a group, a trio, it's still like when we were first introduced to them, it was made pretty clear that Azula is the one in power and she's kind of. She's kind of terrifying even to them a little bit. But there's also an element there of like, Ty Lee has power over Azula. She can say things like this and Azula just kind of accepts it. Like, yes, of course. Mm. I totally believe you, Ty Lee. And it's like Azula could be hurt by them. Mm. And more, and they could do it more easily than Azula thinks they could. Yeah. 
and we will yeah. definitely be exploring that <laughs> in the future. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to say more because it's like, yeah, it's like there's like definitely more episodes to, to, yeah. to dive into that. Yes. Cool. Okay. So honor count, honor wasn't said. So we can move into MVPs. Rude. Well, Zuko Rude. wasn't really Zuko. That's in this true. Episode, so fair. But he was the Even change. Even if he had Zuko. said honor, would it have counted? It was, he was... <laughs> Gone. My MVP was Aang because he's a soft boy that's just trying his best, even though he doesn't understand half of the things that are <laughs> happening to him, apparently. Poor Aang. True. I feel like for me, it's Aang too. Um, my MVP was Toph because she couldn't actually hear the Guru's voiceover about metal being purified earth. She just figured it out herself. <sighs> so petty. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Abby? Um, Oh no! It was just me being okay. like, "Yeah, it's it's for sure, Ang." Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, for sure, for me. I'm not speaking. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, no, it's okay. I wasn't. I actually was like, "Is it going to be tough? Is it going to be Ang?" And then I decided to go like in a completely different direction, and I picked Azula because she just like manifested everything that she wanted for herself. Honestly, fair. Yeah, and she like completely manipulated the Dai Li and the Earth King and Long Fang. Yeah, well, episode. I actually gave Azula um, my favorite moments. Yeah. Which is just the dangerous ladies in general. Because, like, while they are extremely skilled warriors, what really makes them dangerous is, like, these machinations. And there's just something, there's always just something so both terrifying and thrilling about someone being, like, ten steps ahead. Yeah. Other favorite moments? I feel like mm. for her too, it, it never it never feels forced mm. with her. My favorite moment, I mean, it's like mine, I guess, was more like a favorite line. I mean, my favorite moment was definitely like just the tough metal bending, like that shot. Like it was it's just like that's one of my favorite moments in the show. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite line was like, you know, the guru had said something, you know, he's like the greatest illusion of this world is that it's separate. Mm. And like I feel like that's just one of those like god tier avatar lines. Mm-hmm. Um of like if you had to boil down the show, like that's what it's about. And it's just like so good. That's all. It is really good. I also had like a guru patik line. I know before I was like, I wasn't ready to hear this stuff about the air chakra, but uh that line where he says, like, love is a form of energy and it swirls all around us. The air na- air nomad's love for you has not left this world. It is still inside of your heart and is reborn in the form of a new love. I was like I feel that yeah. mm. just like the whole concept. And I mean, you know, people say that like those who you like lose, you ne- never really leave you because you carry them around with you. Mm. So yeah. And Aang, he, mm-hmm. he has all this grief from losing his entire old life and everything. Mm-hmm. But they're like, there's a bright side in that you are making a new life here with your, all your friends and everything. It's not, your life isn't over now. Your life didn't end when the air nomads did, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which that's something I forgot to say. I was a little bit like, I do wish, because I felt like all the stuff with Katara and Aang's crush on Katara during his chakras, I was like, I do think that what they meant was his love in general in his current new life. Mm. And to make it simple, it's sort of like Katara is a symbol of that mm. because he yeah. has a crush on her. But like, I do wish that they had thrown in some group shots or something during those mm. flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like That's it's fair. not like he actually also cares about Sokka and Toph maybe mm. and like <laughs> even just Appa and Momo yeah man anyway what about you Abby um I definitely liked just the general 
themes of the chakras as a moment of self-reflection. But I also liked the new life scenes that we've seen for Zuko and Iroh, knowing that we'll never see that again. So I just want to commemorate that because (laughs) it's over now. It's done. You're done. (laughs) Rip. It was nice knowing you. Oh, Oh my God. Katara neglected her duties, saw you in a tea shop, and it was all over. It's over. It's Again, it's like Jet, they never stood a chance. So sad. So no. it was nice knowing you. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> it was nice knowing you, creepy Zuko. It was it was it was nice seeing you. Zuko and Iroh, we had two good seasons with you. Unfortunately, you're about to die. <laughs> like yep. Oh my god. Azula's just gonna completely murder you. <sighs> All right, Joel. Well, this has been Pod Sing Say, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. Join us next week where we will discuss the book two season finale, The Crossroads of Destiny. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you all so much for listening and talk to you again soon. Bye.